Welcome to Grown Up 80s Episode 10, a podcast where two friends talk about the things we loved as kids growing up in the 80s and that we still enjoy today. This time we're talking about the movie The Last Starfighter. Yeah, yay, I like it. Hey Darren, let's remind the listeners about the exclusive patron-only podcast. Yes, we have an exclusive podcast for patrons only. It's shorter, but it's yes, fun. Yes, and patrons can direct our topics. More information at the end of the show? Yeah. Sounds good. And this, We're doing something a little bit different this time, Robin. Yeah, this is the... Uh, was it the special social distance social distance <laughs> we're about 10 kilometers apart from each other today today we are talking the last starfighter and this was something that we kind of came up with on the fly just earlier this week eh yes we were looking for something fun to do and somehow this came to mind yeah now i have a very strong childhood memory of the last <laughs> starfighter yes okay yeah it was should, yes. should we explain explain what the last starfighter is briefly and then i'll talk about my memory yeah sure well it's a, a movie from 1984 and it's uh, we can say it's in the science fiction category mm -hmm. but maybe somebody doesn't agree with that that's i heard a rumor well i think it's more than just science fiction yeah, yeah, it's more than that. Yeah, but it, it, maybe it's space opera. Maybe it's like uh, Star Wars. Yeah, maybe. 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 Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, brief summary. Sure. Yeah, 1984. This is probably the first movie that was that had all its special effects, except for explosions and a couple other things, mm -hmm. done with computers. Yeah, photorealistic yeah. photo computer graphics as a major part of the movie. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when you, if you phrase it that way, that's indisputable. Tron, of course, was a couple of years earlier, but yep. they did all kinds of rotoscoping and yeah. mixing all kinds of stuff. Um, so it's a couple of years later and yeah, they did the whole thing on Cray supercomputers yep. for all the space scenes and, and, and so on. Um, yeah, and, as, as far as like, like CGI imagery in movies goes, I, I was kind of thinking of thinking of the timeline and I've got like the black hole cause they do some computer stuff in the black hole. Right. And then oh, Tron okay. and then last starfighter. I think, okay. I think the black hole was even more primitive than Tron was. Yeah. So this one's about a video game getting accidentally an arcade video game getting accidentally sent to a trailer park in the middle of nowhere and a a guy uh high school student at the end of high school becomes so good at it that he he wins the game where he's like the champion yeah and unknowingly it sends a message off to space to an alien named centauri who comes to collect him because it's be it's a test it's like the sword and the stone it's like that arthurian yes that's right arthurian legend king arthur pulls the sword out of the stone and well he becomes king arthur because he has achieved this task 
Yeah. And in fact, in the movie, well, it's called the Excalibur test. Mm -hmm. And that can't be a coincidence, right? No, Is not that at all. the sort? Yeah. Yeah. The Excalibur test. So, uh, this, this, um, so this trailer park kid gets drafted into a war and he doesn't want to be a part of it, but he then realizes that this is actually his real chance at making something out of himself. Yes. Now, okay. How about before we get into the whole plot of the movie, that's, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's a great way of, of, that's, of introducing that's, I'm it. Trying, yeah. The last starfighter was, was pretty cool on a couple of fronts and, and you've kind of touched on both of them already. Well, maybe at least three of them. A it's, you know, space science fiction stuff. So that's a lot of fun just to start yeah. out with B or secondly, <laughs> computer graphics used in, in the movie itself. First time doing it. This is really fantastic stuff for, for kids growing up in the eighties and, and liking their computer graphics and stuff like that. Like this is yeah. better stuff than we've seen anywhere else. And three Sealy, ABC yeah. <laughs> one, two, three, thirdly, <laughs> yeah. it's, the kid gets to go into space because he's good at video games. Yes. So it's like yes. the trifecta of, of stuff for like 12 year old kids in 1984. Yeah. Yes. It is. And speaking of 12 year old kids in 1984, Darren. So we were 12 year old kids in 1984 and I'm trying to figure out where we saw this, when, when it was that we saw the last Starfighter. Um, well, I, this, I'm pretty sure that I saw it with you and Ron at the Cumberland Cinema 5, and I'm pretty sure yeah. it was for my birthday, but it, yes. maybe it was for your birthday. No, no, I feel almost certain it was your 12th birthday yeah. that brought us there. It was, somehow it was your idea that we were going to go see this movie. I don't think I had even heard of it. Yeah. And we went, <laughs> and this is pretty memorable for me. Oh, yeah. So, so, Darren, yeah, is 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 it fair to say that when you were a kid, you were you sometimes had uh, irrational fear? I don't know if that's the right word. To, well, let's not the, say right when say. I was a kid, I had irrational fears. <laughs> I think I still have many irrational fears. But yes, when I was a kid, I had irrational fears. Yeah, and specifically we... about aliens. Yes. So we had already, I guess we already did know this because and I think we talked about this, that at our school library was this weird book yep. called like, I don't know, real life alien stories <laughs> yeah, or something, something like that. Yeah. And inside of it, it gives all these stories of all weird occurrences about aliens yep. and stuff. And in particular, there was a black and white photo section in the book. Do you, you remember these sort of things? I, I remember you telling the story. I don't have strong memories of the book, but this sounds yeah. totally like something that would have happened. So like, yeah, a lot of books in the eighties would have this, it would be almost all words, <laughs> yeah. but it would have this little section where they would put these black and white photos because color was too expensive. Sure. Uh, and it would like interrupt the text. It would just be these, these photos with captions. Anyway, there, there was one especially freaky looking alien supposed autopsy or something yeah. in this book. And we would show it to you on purpose and it would just make you freak yeah, out. Let's make Darren freak out. 
Show yeah. them the alien pictures. So yeah, so for whatever reason, whether I chose the movie or my parents thought it was a good movie for us to go see, and you know, kind of after watching it, thinking, ah, I don't know that I would necessarily want, well, at least my ten-year-old to watch it right now. But we were twelve years old at the time, so that's different. Yeah, um, yeah, we go to this movie and. That's some uh, scary uh, alien surprises going on from time there, to time in this movie. There are. there. There's probably four or five pretty gross and or scary moments. Yeah. And one of them in particular. So, yeah, I, th I, I won't mention when it is yet because we'll probably go through the movie a little bit. But I definitely remember yeah. um, towards the first third of the movie um, – this alien reveal and oh it's it just freaked me right out and i i remember being like hiding behind the chairs yes. in the movie theater and yeah. <laughs> just to avoid seeing the alien and and i i don't know i think maybe i i said i i got i asked you and ron just you know let me know when it's over and and maybe you you would tell me before it was over to pop out and i would see something scary and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes yeah. yeah so that that's right i think you got scared a couple times during the movie and i didn't realize it was happening at first and then suddenly you're kind of like squealing or something <laughs> and then and then you're down crouching on the gross floor of a theater and yeah. that's like you never you never want to go on you the floor of a theater the floor <laughs> but that's where you are that's where you'd rather be and then yeah i remember you saying something like tell me when it's over <laughs> and we probably did it for real the first time but then yeah. the second time you got freaked out <laughs> we were telling you come on back come back and then you're <laughs> look, look, your it's, head it's up and safe <laughs> so yeah, yeah thinking like as a as a 12 year old now I got freaked out about stuff. We've already established that. Yeah. And I was yeah. probably this, at the very least, surprised me. And I found it gross or whatever yeah. to look at. I wouldn't put it totally past me to overreact a bit with this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, especially thinking like 12 year old, come on. But yeah, whatever the case was, whether I was overreacting or just having a irrational bout of fear over movie yeah. aliens i was hiding <laughs> behind those chairs and oh, you yeah. and ron were having a good time laughing about it and <laughs> have reminded yeah. me about it throughout the years yeah throughout the years this comes up occasionally we might go five five years at a time oh, without yeah. saying anything about it but yeah I, i've just never forgotten that and and what is that now 30 six year 35 years later yeah that's about right yeah 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 wow and, and so you know what for the for the record i think i suggested we do last starfighter tonight yes you did so you know good for it you has, it hasn't scarred me so much that i can't go back and watch it now or talk yeah. about it can you imagine we're about to, to turn four times older than we were wow then we have lived 75 percent that, that was the first 25% of our lives. That's right. We, we've <laughs> anyway. changed a bit. So, yeah, yeah, you're talking about the type of movie it was earlier. You're saying, you know, it's a sci-fi movie. It's a space opera, kind of like Star Wars, perhaps. Yeah. And um, you sent along some links to some documentaries, some, like, making of behind-the-scenes type, type yeah. things. And um, 
Catherine Mary Stewart. Yes, the actress, the actor who played Maggie. So she said in, in one of these docos that we watched, you know, it's a fantasy. It's a love story. It's a space story. So it's, it's all these things. I want to suggest that perhaps another one of the things that this movie is, is a little bit of a, if not a horror movie, a one of those movies that, that wants to scare you a little bit, wants to give yes. you those surprises, those kind of gross out surprise type things. Yeah. 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 It's, it's surprisingly, yes. It's, it's like a monster movie. It's yeah, kind of like a monster a, movie. Yeah. That's good. And it's got for a movie you might think of as just a, a kid's PG movie. It's more gory yeah. than, than you might expect. Yeah. Um, I had a, I kind of broke out how I wanted to talk about the last Starfighter into a, a few different sections. I wanted to maybe talk about the, the computer graphics. I wanted to talk about the video game a bit. I wanted mm -hmm. to talk about the actual plot of the movie and I wanted yeah. to talk about the monsters a bit too. Yeah. Can, can we maybe like tackle those four or five different things? I'm sure we can. Do you want to do it like in an ordered fashion like that? Yeah. Does it make sense to talk about the, the plot of the movie for the, sure, the story let's do the plot first? first? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we start the movie on earth in a trailer park at the starlight star bright trailer park. And it's morning and some old lady Elvira is freaking out <laughs> because she's not going to get to watch her soaps because the electricity is out in her trailer. Yes. <laughs> and we meet Maggie. She's, uh, she's the female protagonist in the movie. She wanders up to visit Alex, who is the, the main character in the movie, the, the high school video game starfighter player that you were mentioning earlier. Yeah. And, um, we see, um, Lewis, who is Alex's younger brother. And, you know, there's some dialogue between some of the, the people, oh, you know, got to get the electricity fixed down in the, in the trailer park down there. And, uh, we go up and we find Alex playing the Starfighter video game. Yes. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I didn't think negatively about trailer parks and the people who lived in them. Right. And then sometime later, people started using what are pretty terrible phrases like white trash mm -hmm. and, and the trailer, trailer park trash, trash and, yeah. tra and, and all that. And I was pretty naive about the connection between poverty and yeah. living in trailer parks. Partly my grandparents lived in a trailer park in Florida, but they would travel down there. That was their yeah, vacation getaway. Snowbirds. From up, they were snowbirds from here in Canada who had a regular apartment here and would travel down. So. I'm kind of familiar. I, I would go visit them once in a while for like in February mm -hmm. and kind of got, it's a different way of life living in a trailer park. And it's neat how this captures, this movie captures it. And apparently it wasn't going to be set. I know I'm kind of wandering away from the plot, That's but okay. I'm talking about the street. Yeah. That apparently it was going to be set just in the suburbs and the writer and director realized that it's uh, Spielberg sort of had that tied up with like E.T. and yeah. so on, all the movies that were taking place in suburbia. Yeah. And so they moved it to this trailer park and it, and it had some advantages. I like the small, the sense of community mm -hmm. that's there. 
And it puts Alex in an interesting spot where he wants to get away from this place, but he's actually like a really valued member of his community where he's the one fixing toilets. It's, yep. it's unclear. Is, is this his part-time job? Maybe? I, I think so. Yeah. Like does Otis, it's, does Otis run the trailer park and he helps out or does, yeah. Yeah. That, that's my, that's my guess. I, I don't think it's stated yeah. in the movie. It's more like for whatever reason, his mom is telling Alex he's, he should do this. Yeah. And yeah, so that's right. Maggie's wine, uh, Maggie's getting the picnic basket ready and she's expecting to go with Alex out to the beach yeah. or to the lake for the day. And with their other friends or their, uh, pickup truck driving yep. friends. And so that's, they arrive and Alex is about to, well, Maggie does jump on the truck and Alex is supposed to, but instead he runs over the mailbox yeah. to check the mail because he's hoping to go away from college. He really scolds his friends. You think I want to hang around here and watch you shine your pickup truck and yeah. get drunk every weekend and throw up and <laughs> yeah, he has aspirations even like beyond like he's, I think he's thinking that his friends are going to go to the local college in town, but, mm -hmm. but he want he's waiting to hear back from the bank to see if he's got the loan yeah. so that he can go out of town and, and do well. Like, and he's very loyal to his, his family, to Maggie, to the trailer park, but yeah. he wants to. He wants something even more for himself and we'll find yeah. out even more for Maggie as well later on. That's right. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's interesting. So he, Alex, isn't the kind of nerd that you might expect. They would like say, oh, here's this video game nerd mm -hmm. who makes something of himself. He's actually, he seems to be skilled. Presumably he's accepted to a better college, yep. but he needs the money. Yeah. Um, he knows how to, he's like handy. Yep. He knows how to fix things. Um, he's got a, a cute girlfriend. Does he ever? And she really seems to adore him. Yeah. It's actually, it's neat when you watch them smile at each other and stuff that totally works. I can't think of another couple, like another movie mm -hmm. couple that I believe in more yeah, yeah. than these two, like in, in any, I'm trying to think of any movie where I actually care about their relationship, uh, more than these two. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's neat. It's interesting that you, you brought up the fact that they moved the setting of the movie from suburbia to the trailer park because of the, oh yeah, Steven Spielberg's done this a few times before specifically mentioning ET, um, after his friends take off on the truck and he goes back to his bedroom. He kind of almost has what I thought was an ET moment. He's sitting in his room and he's looking up at, he's got like a, like a, not a planetarium, but he's got like a mobile yes. of all the planets and and the wind just kind of blows through his room in just the right way that all the planets start spinning around and he's looking up at them going around. I'm thinking this is really giving me an ET kind of vibe from oh, yeah. when, when the, when ET sent all the planets spinning around in Elliot's room there too. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, I wonder if that's a reference. It sure feels like it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, after that, uh, Alex goes and starts playing the video game again. And as you were talking earlier, he gets the record breaker score and yes. the whole park comes, the whole trailer park comes and, and watches him and congratulates him on playing 
the game and doing so well. And video games are cool. And the adults see what he has done as an achievement, not just, oh, did you win at the video game? Oh, stop yeah. playing those stupid video games. Everyone is around him cheering on, cheering him on and congratulating him for doing so well at Starfighter. Yeah, it's... That's right. Yeah, it's uh, Otis and Maggie both notice uh, that he's up over nine hundred thousand points, and I guess a million. Yeah, is is the big the big deal? So yeah, Otis is uh, starts yelling to all the people down below in the trailer park. Hey, listen, everybody, Alex is going for the record. Does that you not know, remind hey. you of like the King of Kong type <laughs> thing? One of those Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Come yes. and see it. Hey, yeah. If you're interested, uh, there might be a Donkey Kong kill screen in a couple minutes. And, uh... and then the machine literally stops and says record breaker. Yeah, and not flashes. high score or anything. No. Record breaker. Record breaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's all around and cheering and everybody's into it, uh, except his mom. He gets back and, and mom, mm -hmm. oh, that's, that's nice dear. And he goes, wait me, it's nice, you know, but it's because she's got the bad news mm -hmm. that Alex is not getting the loan. Right. And while you, you can go to the community college with your friends, yeah, but it's clear he doesn't think much, much of those friends, except for Maggie, obviously. Yeah. And just prior um, least, to that. Just prior yeah. to that, you know, Maggie was expressing reluctance at Alex going away to school. Yes. You know, Alex reassures and says, no, no, this is something for, for you and me. I might be leaving the trailer park, but it's, it's me and you. We're in this together. I happen to have this a little diversion, but that it's me and you forever. Okay. That line yeah. uh, that Alex says, I have the read-along storybook version <laughs> no of way. The Last Starfighter. Yeah, they made one. And it's like a twelve-minute version. You know, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, this, yeah. The, where there's a record you put inside the tape a book. Or the record in there. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the page when you hear R2D2 beep like this. That, that, that's right. Yeah. So I've got that, but it's like, it's they have Maggie saying that to Alex. It's you and me forever, Alex. <sighs> and that's basically her only line. I think she says it like two or three times in the storybook. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's funny though that. Uh, these storybook versions, this particular one changes so many little facts, mm. even though, I mean, the, the story itself is basically the same, but it's, it, anyway, it's just pretty funny that they, they have her say that. So check that out. You can find that on YouTube, actually, if you want to listen to the, the 12 minute storybook version and see the, right see on. the pictures. Right on. <laughs> So after this, the Starfighter game starts glitching, as the kids these days would say. Yes. Starts glitching out, and this mysterious car shows up with these really cool gull-wing doors. It's nighttime now, and, and the car shows up, and the door opens, and there's kind of like this red light from the inside, and there's a voice saying, 
Are you the record breaker? I'm looking for the kid who just got the high score on Starfighter. Yeah, you're looking at him, mister. That's right. Come on into my office. Yeah. (laughs) Says the driver. Yeah, and it's like, come on in. Don't be scared. Yeah, don't be scared. There's nothing to worry about. That's the way. (laughs) I I wasn't really scared until you suggested that maybe I should be scared, but he enters anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And... Yeah, then there's this strange moment. So yeah, Alex is sat in this, basically this DeLorean yep. uh, ripoff, but it's like a space car, but he doesn't know that yet. And th- there's another guy sitting in the back seat with him. And this Centauri character says, oh, this is my assistant, Beta. Yep. And they shake hands. Beta, whose name doesn't sound at all remotely similar to Data, but we'll talk yeah, about that later. That That's right. Uh, so, and this big explosion spark thing happens and Alex recoils in pain and shock. Yeah. And then this shadowy character walks out. So this is weird. It actually, there's just, uh, beta is just in silhouette at this point, Mm -hmm. but he looks just like Alex sitting there in silhouette. Well, he looks like a person with hair and stuff. That's well, this is me, what you're getting at, right? Well, yeah, but the lower chin, yeah, okay. he looks like a person with hair, but he even looks to me like a young person like Alex. Yeah. The, the, the neck looks, I mean, not that you can identify people by their chin, mm-hmm. but it looks like well, Alex. Certain and they, people you could, I'm thinking of Elvis yeah. or Prime Minister Brian Mulrooney. Yeah. But you know what? This is what kind of nerd I am. I actually freeze framed that flash. Yeah. And there's about two frames of a guy. Yes. Did you look too? I didn't. I, I noticed that. And I thought, oh, I should take a look at this, but I didn't. Yeah. So that looks like a 50 year old stunt man. Oh yeah. With, with like nylon, like a hose thing pulled over his head and his nose bent funny. Really? He looks like an old, yeah. And wearing a ball That's cap. Weird. Yeah. So, and he looks like a normal dude but it's kind of obscured yeah so to me yeah it's it's like maybe that's his the stunt man or something huh. that's really <laughs> weird yeah um right and then we'll we'll get to why it's weird that he looks like a regular human-ish guy yes in in a bit so um, Centuri basically kidnaps yeah. alex in his yeah, yeah. speeding delorean with the Rylos license plate. That's right. California plates that say Rylos on them. Yeah. Which which we soon learn is the name of his home planet. Yep. And it just goes speeding away. Oh. And we know that he's yeah. going 303 miles an hour because the police clock them on their speed gun. <laughs> yes. 303 miles per hour. And he's just and- like... One hand on the steering wheel, looking back at Alex the whole time, <laughs> eyes not on the road at all. And it's very Knight Rider-esque, eh? How, like, it's just yes. the sped-up film going around the corners and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, apparently that car uh, couldn't go fast at all. Yeah. It's this terrible sheet metal, like, in, in reality. Uh, it's the sheet metal thing that they built, like, super custom, but put it on some tiny little engine. Yeah. And, and yeah, the one time you see it really drive, that's about its max speed. And so it's the, all that driving around on the earth for no particular reason, 
because then there's suddenly this emergency, like a cutoff road or yeah, something. They're going through the tunnel and there's like a blockade at the end. And it's like, oh, put on the brakes. But instead of putting yeah. on the brakes, Centuri pushes the buttons and yeah. the car turns into the space car. And I think they refer to it as the space <laughs> car later on, right? Space yeah, they, car they arriving do. or something yeah. like that. And so like they fly up and out into space. And Alex is like, who is this guy kidnapping me in the space car? That's right. Yeah. And it's Centauri. Centauri, like, not Centauri. Yeah, like, yeah, not Century. No. Or Century. Yeah. C Centauri, I think, okay. is the, like the, the, the star system, isn't it? Alpha Centauri. Centauri. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I think that's where it comes from. I'm not here for cigarettes or bubblegum, my boy. That's right. <laughs> so apparently, oh, yeah. What, what was that? That's Robert Preston. Yes. Uh, the actor who, is, who plays Centauri. Who plays Centauri. And he, and he has this very famous role. The Music Man mm -hmm. was a famous uh, 1962 film of kind of, he's like a con man basically. Yeah. yeah. He reminds, yeah. he reminds me of like the guy from Music Man reminds me of Lyle Landley from the monorail episode of the Simpsons. He's like oh. this 1920s, 30s, fast talking sales pitch kind of guy who's just going <laughs> to yeah. sell you whatever he needs to sell you by his fast words and his fancy hair and his. Apparently they, they heavily, when they knew that they wanted Robert Preston for this, they wrote the role yeah. to suit him very much. Yeah. So it's interesting that they made Centauri uh, so knowledgeable about Earth. Mm-hmm. It's somehow he got all kinds of knowledge about, I don't know if it was just for the sake of the, the movie, like, or not no, just for the sake of the script. I was thinking about this, like when he talks to Alex, he knows about Christmas. He knows about, yeah. he actually, actually mentions it a couple times in the movie, which is a funny thing for an alien, uh, guy. In fact, is he even from Rylos? Like, because well, he, do, he doesn't so look like the other guys from Rylos. That's right. All yeah. the regular Rylos guys look like those weird bald headed Star Trek type aliens. Yeah. yeah. They're all hum very human looking except their foreheads. Yeah. They just don't have hair on the top of their heads. Yeah. And what hair bigger... they have is kind of grayish white. Yeah. Right. With a bigger kind of bulbulous head. Yeah. Forehead too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Satori has a very different look to him. He does. And we see it when... very, very quickly. As we yeah. enter into act two here, this is, I think, where I first hid away behind the seats because at one point, Centauri is driving the car face... Centauri. Centauri is the name. Sorry. Centauri yeah. is driving the car facing away from Alex and he takes his hanky out of his pocket and he <laughs> mops his face as he does a few times in the movie and he starts polishing his eyeballs. Yes. That's a really weird thing to do. And Alex is looking from the backseat saying, what is this guy doing polishing his eyeballs? Well, he hasn't just taken his eyeballs out of his head to polish them, but he's peeled the skin off of his head he's, and he turns around and looks at Alex and he's got this, is this, there's this alien with these gigantic red glowing eyes and this these glowing eyes, yes, yeah. this blue green, almost horizontally striped kind of face thing. And it's like, oh, this is freaky scary. I think I'll get behind the chair here. <laughs> yeah, so this is this is where I'm starting to think 
this this is where I think off the bat we get the hints that this is more than just you know aliens for sci-fi like we don't have like we don't see in star trek the gross out aliens we don't see in star wars the gross out aliens you take your eyeballs out of your head and polish them for a gross out effect (laughs) yeah and you turn around and it's a big surprise and it's meant to scare not just say hey i'm an alien i'm different from you so anyway yeah, it's done. Yeah, in a shocking way, yeah. where he, he suddenly turns his head, and you just, ah. you know, you're, yeah, and your mind has to make sense of these glowing red evil eyes. Very quickly, the star car makes it to Rylos, yeah. and uh, the base there on Rylos. Um, and Alex is very quickly introduced to the people of Rylos, and yeah, he, he it, gets shuffled into this hallway. And okay, go ahead. Yeah, just it's funny, Rylos. I watched it again more closely and there are brief hints of what the planet is like. Yeah. But my, my only memory of it until I carefully watched this time was Rilo seems like it is a mountainside with a space base stuck on the side of a mountain. Yeah. And that is Rilo's. Yeah. It felt, it feels a little difficult to care very much about the people of Rylos and sure. everything yeah. when you think it's, well, it looks like, yeah, it's, it's the side of a mountain. Yeah. This but, is just like an army base on this rocky outpost somewhere. Yeah. So there is a brief flyby of a little bit of the rest of the world and okay. you get a very, very sparing look at it. So it, it's kind of interesting. It's actually reminds me of Tron hmm. where there's a couple travel or flight sequences where you get a sense, oh, there is more to this, a lot more to this world than what the movie focuses and on. And Rylos itself, the, the base there, the people there, they're working not just to protect their planet. They're working to mm-hmm. protect a whole system of, of planets as well. So maybe Rylos is a, a military outpost planet, but it it's representing like all the good civilized uh, planets in, I don't know, in space, or at least in this area of space. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's called the star league. Oh, the star league. They're all part of the star league. Right. Is it some sort of confederation of planets? It, it is like a confederation of planets. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard not to rip things off. Yeah. You know, there's only so many ways that you can do things like when we get towards the end of the movie man everything seems to be star wars to me at the end of the movie but yeah you know yeah right now we got some star trek going on yeah so now it's kind of funny this this whole sequence of alex arriving at the star base and how everybody's speaking a different language it's it's set up so much um it's like very obvious drama building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because a while later they will give him a translator so he can understand everything. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't give that to him right at the beginning. Not at the very right? beginning. No, that would make sense that <laughs> you get it at the beginning, but no, we're going to talk to you in our strange alien language. You're not going to be able to understand us, but Centauri's here and he can speak English, I guess. Yeah. Centauri. 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 Centauri's the name. Everyone's talking to him, handing him uniforms, putting him in hallways with moving floors. 
that yes locking him in and we meet a a fella who centauri ends up arguing yeah. with when when um when alex is given his uniform yeah there's there's this other guy who seems to not like Alex, he kind of makes this funny noise. It doesn't even seem like language. He kind of hisses or growls at him for a second and Centauri yeah, he, shows up. So I think that, yeah, Centauri, we are starting to learn that he's, he is this con man who's trying to get money, mm -hmm. like a finder's fee yep. for locating Alex. But it's kind of funny that both of those alien guys that are there, the one handing Alex's uniform. Alex is becoming a starfighter, which is supposedly this honor mm -hmm. and it's this rare thing, you know, only a very select few, but this whole scene is contrary to that in the sense that there's a conveyor belt. Do they really need a conveyor belt yeah. and to just crudely hand Alex, like, here's your uniform. Like you just kind of shove it at him as if it's it which is this is this this great honor or is this uh or or is this a factory line yeah. okay and these are the new recruits okay so yeah it goes through this whole process now this might be the movie being smart on purpose or playing with itself uh there there might be a bigger message here i'm not sure but Alex goes through this whole conveyor belt and gets dropped off for this briefing for the new recruits. Mm -hmm. But where are all the old vets? Where are the established mm -hmm. starfighters? Because this, as far as I can tell, this is the control room for the whole base. There are no other starfighters except for these new recruits what's happened to them what happened to them and what is going on yeah and so there's this briefing room which you know reminds us a bit of star wars or whatever oh totally yeah um now did you notice that there are 14 seats there's two rows of seven yep and i never noticed before that every so it's like two two rows yeah right so each column yes each column what is, is it about each column well they're paired up like they seem to be the same alien race in each column yes yeah is that strange yeah that there's a different race in each column and they keep talking about them as the starfighters although is is this actually a starfighter and navigator um, yeah, pair that's right yeah, where the starfighter sits in the back and the navigator, well, actually, but that's opposite, isn't it? Yeah, it was unclear to me exactly where people were sitting in the star, in the gun star. I, yeah. I would think like the navigator's basically the pilot and the starfighter's the gunner, right? That's what it should, yes. Okay, the, the starfighter is definitely the gunner. Alex is the gunner. Yeah. He sits behind... Greg, yep. who we haven't met yet. We're jumping ahead, yep. but anyway, there's something funny that's going on here. The other funny thing about that configuration of seven by two is that in Alex's case, there is no, um, he, the seat in front of him is empty. Mm -hmm. So we would expect to see another human. The, the pattern mm -hmm. six out of seven is perfect that there are two of each alien 
in each column where Alex chooses to sit, there, there is an A by in front of him. Mm -hmm. Is there a missing human? Ooh. Or is that Greg seat? But why didn't, okay, well, we should talk about Greg. <laughs> sure. Well, you know what, maybe before we get to this, we've kind of skipped over a yep. little bit of what's going on back on earth. Oh yeah. So after Alex gets his uniform, we, we go back to earth for a second and we see Maggie the next morning entering yeah. into Alex's bedroom. I guess Alex yes. shares a room with his little brother, Lewis saying, Hey, yeah. what's, what's going on with Alex? He's come to check on him. Now, Lewis has some magazines in his room. <laughs> yes. I guess, I guess this is just, you know, an eighties movie and this is what was going on in the eighties. Do you think that your parents or my parents, would they have sent us knowing some of the undertones that are going on in them? Or yeah, was it just, you know, just didn't realize that was there or. Yeah. So yeah. We, it's, so yeah. So the kid brother has a stash of Playboy magazines. Yeah. And what's especially incongruent about that is Lewis is portrayed as a significantly younger little brother. Yeah. Than Alex, who is grossed out by Alex and Maggie kissing yep. in the movie. He yeah, that's, diarrhea. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Except he wants to look at these magazines still. That's a particular kind of boy who would get grossed out by, by the kissing, by kissing, kissing a girlfriend, but, uh, wants to look for Miss June in his magazine or whatever month it so was. So anyway, yeah. Maggie wanders into the bedroom anyway, wants to know where Alex is. And Alec, yeah. Alex, in air quotes, is in, in his bed, covered up completely. And, uh, Lewis informs her, oh, he's been moaning. Yeah. Moaning all, all night. night. <laughs> Yeah. So what's going do we, on here? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Maggie tries to talk to him a bit and he just kind of groans more. Yeah. And, and then she says, well, it, it's a good thing. She's being very sympathetic at this point, you know, well, I hope you're feeling better. Let me know if I can help. And she leaves. Yes. Little does she know the horror underneath the blanket. So underneath the blanket. Let's get had back she, to the monster movie stuff again. Yes. Had she looked, I just think, what if she did look? Oh, she would have been hiding behind the movie Cedar Theats with me. Yeah. yeah so she, we, we see what's going on underneath the sheet. Alex is not there moaning all night. Apparently it's been this beta guy. Now we, we don't, we don't know for sure that it's beta yet. We figure this out later, but the sheet yeah. comes back and there's this pale, bald, wet, there's like lights flashing under the skin. There's veins up close and that you can see bulging eyes, gasping and moaning. And as he's, as this creature as this monster as this thing is breathing the skin kind of puffs out away from the bones yes. and then gets sucked back into the bones so it's like yeah puffy and then oh it's this super gross out thing happening yeah, again huge eyes it, it is one of the grossest things i can think of seeing like even when i've watched lots of r-rated horror movies mm -hmm. This is right up there yeah. with the grossest things because it's close to human, 
but so gross. Yeah, it's like it's like it's decomposing so human or Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's gross. <laughs> so that's this is what it takes for a beta unit and it was the previous night. So this is probably 12 hours later. Yeah. And the beta unit still looks this disgusting and goes back to bed again. Yeah. Like puts the cover back so on. So the beta unit having touched Alex in the car the night before, I guess we're, we're to learn, you know, that's where the beta unit, the beta unit is basically going to replace Alex on earth while Alex yeah. is up doing the starfighter business. And so he has to kind of grow into Alex. He has to yeah. form himself into Alex. And so that's, what's going on in the bed right now. Yeah. Now let's talk about beta units a bit. Okay. What can a beta unit, what is transferred when they touch? Presumably it's like, oh, they get the DNA and sure. then somehow yeah. they grow and stuff. Okay. But the beta unit ends up with the same voice and, but what kind of memory, like how did the beta unit know where Alex lived? Like what particular trailer? Yeah. How did the beta unit know his family's names? So are some memories transferred, but then if they are, the beta unit is very much a fish out of water kind of mm -hmm. acting weird story. Yep. And that's kind of the fun of it. Um, so uh, did you know that, did you notice how Beta's hair is really bad sometimes? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and apparently there was a wig involved. Yes, eh? that's right. <laughs> that uh, early, an early cut of the movie, the audience really liked the goofy Beta moments. So they decided to film some extra ones later. Yeah. And, uh, but the actor, Lance Guest, had already cut his hair and so he had to wear this dumb wig yes. for these reprised roles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was sick during the, during the and extra shoots sick. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that kind of worked. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It made him seem even more alien. After the interlude on earth, where we get some of the, of this fun beta stuff, we're back at Rylos and this is, this is where you're talking about all the new recruits come and sit down in their pairs and, and Alex steps on the toes or the tentacles of <laughs> a particularly hostile alien. Yes. <laughs> or whatever those are. If they're not toes, they're. That's right. <laughs> Sorry to step on your, whatever that is. Noodly appendages. <laughs> Why I should grind you into all the dust. Oh, well done. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And then we so, get another really googly eyed alien kind of explaining to Alex, you know, how, how aggressive and how hostile and, you know, it makes this particular race of aliens really good starfighters because of that. But, you know, I, I found the eyeballs on this other alien to be a little bit creepy, gross as well. Yeah. He yeah. was pretty weird. So yeah, they all start trying. So we get this briefing from this old wizened alien guy yeah the president like or the something like that president yeah and, and, and have you already said that this is a total ripoff of the death star briefing 
Oh yeah, it totally yeah. feels okay. like Death Star like here. With yeah, the, with the with the graphics behind him and the explanations of everything, like oh, the yeah. guy even reminds me of somebody who stepped out of A New Hope or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's right. And uh, then they all start chanting "Victory or Death, Victory or Death," and that's when Alex thinks he's getting out of here. Yeah, all this definitely victory or death. And happens to bump into an alien. And this is, we're finally meeting Greg. So was Greg skipping the briefing? Like he was supposed to be seated there? Well, Greg does not seem like a new recruit. No, he's not. So I guess he doesn't need to be there, but this gets back to our navigators, which Greg is. Yep. He pilots the ship some of the time. That's a little unclear yeah. in the movie. Uh, but... Yeah, obviously he's not a new recruit. So did he just skip the briefing? Because it's only for new recruits. And that's why he wasn't seated in that chair in front of Alex. Right. I guess that's my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. So <laughs> I don't need to be there. I know all this. That's this right. This is the same as last time. Now, does Grig, does his his mannerisms or his his the way he speaks, does he remind you of anybody? Like from the movies like, or TV or anything like that? Well, he, he reminds me of an older guy, who, yeah. an old guy. And it turns out he's basically as old as Centauri's actor yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 I found that I was trying to figure out exactly who he reminded me of. And I thought in some ways he reminded me of Lieutenant Barkley from Next Generation. But oh, he's yeah. also kind of like, he the, he's always laughing either at himself, the jokes that he makes or other things that are going on. And he's a total George McFly when oh. it comes to his laugh and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Cause he does that really, that wheezy laugh. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. However you make that. <laughs> I don't know if I can make yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So that, that's right. It is George McFly's laugh. And right then they're all chanting victory or death. Then this giant floating head appears oh, in the conference room. Oh, I forgot about the floating room. head. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it turns out this is the son of the commander guy who just gave the briefing. Yeah. This is the evil son. Yep. And Alex is already freaked out. And then they say, I have kept the, the evil guy, the evil floating head says, I have captured your master spy. Yeah. And he melts him. Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Yeah, there's this like death laser ray beam on to his, the head. To the head. And then his face even starts his melting. His face melts, blood or something is coming yeah. out of his eyes. Yeah, was this you really know, a PG movie? How did they. How did he get his floating head video beamed into the base anyway? And is if that he the could best? do that, yes. maybe there's some other useful things that he could do that you know, would have to worry about the whole space battle and stuff too. Well, yeah, he can actually project stuff right onto their computer screen to yeah. show the master spy. Yeah. So it's clear he has huge control over their computers or something already. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So this is the evil son. Well, you're not my son anymore. You're not you're my son the, anymore. Yeah, you're, you're too evil. Yeah. Well, I'm going to beat you up anyway, dad. Well, yeah. we'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll see. Yeah. And he not, repeats it again. Yeah. Not no, you won't. Or, well, we'll see. 
<laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we shall see. We shall see. So then, yeah, oh yeah, and during that briefing, we learned about this idea of the frontier, which mm -hmm. is basically a big space shield that stretches around a whole bunch of planets. Man alive. So, the infrastructure that would have to go into making a sphere. Now, it's yes. not a solid sphere, but there's a lot. There's like components. What Even if we're generous in saying there's like a mini spaceship size thing every kilometer. Yes. Around this sphere. That's incredible amount of resources put into this frontier. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy and it's huge, but somehow that guy can beam himself in there. Mm -hmm. And how did he ever get out of the frontier anyway? Like, did they kick him? Did they, did they kick him out? Like the evil know. kid. It's never explained. No, no. He's just on the other side with all the bad guys. So he's defected to them. Yep. How did he actually get there? Maybe they kicked him out. Maybe that should was put him in jail. Yeah. So, so anyway, Alex definitely wants to go home after he sees the head melting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, so they're going home, but that's when we learn about this other, okay. We've, we've met the evil son, his big floating head, yep. but then on the planet or sorry, on the spaceship or is this whole other cool, evil red aliens, mm -hmm. the Kodan. The Kodan Armada. Yep. And the the commander, I think his name is Commander Krill. Okay. Yep. And he's got the, the coolest thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got like this plexiglass. It's like a monocle. Basically, yes. he's got a monocle from space. Yep. And it's so a cool. The mechanical monocle that flips into place. <laughs> when he needs to say something dramatic. Yeah. Click. And so it's that funny... This is that kind of heavy handed, but fun foreshadowing or whatever, when a movie does something towards the beginning mm -hmm. and then it does it again towards the end. So right the first time we meet this guy, that mechanical monocle flips in and he says yeah. something ominous. I'm glad we're and calling then, uh, it a mechanical monocle. <laughs> and, then, and it's just like Maggie's you and me or Alex's you and me together forever kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Famous last words. These are interesting aliens as well. They are non-symmetrical aliens. Do you notice that? The, these brown Kodan. Yeah, yeah their faces, um, they have protrusions and lopsidedness to them. And, and I imagine that adds to the creepiness of them. Although they aren't nearly as creepy gross out as most of the other aliens. Like besides the Rylos people and the... Yeah, the Kodans are basically the tamest of the aliens that we see. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a little bit odd for being the uh, the bad guys. Yeah. But there they are. It is, yeah. They do get gross when one gets killed much later in the movie. But... Well, and are there like, is is there like two species of Kodan or like a subspecies or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's how it like, looks. There's Krill and, and the other guy there and they speak pretty good English. With, yes. the, with Zerg, I think is the El Presidente's son who was defected or whatever. Yeah. Yep. But then there's the these other Kodan people that kind of speak with like a robot-y synthesizer voice. Yeah, yeah. And, and they remind me, you and Doug, like when the Phantom Menace was new. Yeah. And there's these creatures on the, the oh, Trade yeah, Federation. Oh, yeah, the Trade Federation guys, yes. And they've got 
there's the trade federation leaders yeah and then there's those guys the in the ventilation guys yeah yeah the ventilation shaft and all this do you remember those guys you and doug used to imitate them okay yeah, like I, I remember, and they had like this, this thing over yes. their mouth, and it kind of uh, bit crushed their speech or something like that. Yeah, they like to say ventilation shaft quite a few times, <laughs> okay. if, I, if I remember yeah. right. <laughs> but yeah, it, to me, it sounds basically the same. Yeah. Those those characters as these ones in yeah. Starfighter. Yeah. yeah. We're still in just this first section, aren't we? Well, I think we're almost halfway through the second act. But okay. yes, we are through the plot. We're only halfway through the plot section of the podcast. <laughs> Okay, let's let's pick it up. Here we go. Alex is going. Alex gets home. And well, Centauri, Centauri, sorry, Cent, Centauri. Yes. Who are you? Centauri is the name. Is taking Alex home. Um, yeah. Zer's forces, the Kodan, throw meteors through the frontier at the Rylos base. Yeah, and that's goofy. It's like they they managed to drill through the frontier. Yeah. I guess this is new technology yeah. that they have so they can do this. Okay. But we're not going to send then, ships through. We're just going to throw three rocks. Yeah. We can send asteroids and it seems they only showed us three, but I think quite a few more were okay. shot through these weird asteroid missile things that can go across the whole frontier in seconds and hit their yep. target. Yeah. So, oh yeah. When Zur, uh, wants to assert his authority, the command, the, the commander Krill says, okay, the, you know, the, the frontier is breached. Let's shoot our missiles. Mm. And then yeah, Zer's like, right. no, only I, I am in charge here because only I know the location of the secret base. Yes. Fire. That's and, right. And so let me give the instructions <laughs> and here they are. Fire. Fire. But he never tells them where, where the to like, fire it. He, yeah. If he's holding them hostage with this knowledge, but somehow he, uh, anyway, yeah. that's pretty funny. Pretty okay. dumb. Yeah. So they get home, uh, Alex and Cent yeah, Centauri's fixing his car. Yeah. It must be a ruse. Cause Alex is like, oh, uh, we're just a few miles from home where your space car, your space car broke down. Yeah. It's got us light years to home, but it broke down three miles from home. On this dirt uh, road. I'll just walk. Yeah. Okay, bye. But then immediately the car is fixed, but Centauri still doesn't drive Alex home. He still has to walk. Yep. <laughs> but here's a communicator in case you want to call back. That's right. That'd be awesome if we take longer to explain the movie. Than the movie actually is. Than the movie actually is. That would be terrible. <laughs> okay, we'll keep going. We get home. We find that Beta has made things difficult with Maggie. Talking about some sort of strange sexual urges. <laughs> he, 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 yeah, Alex gets a good slap there. Yeah, he gets a good slap. And we learn that uh, the beta unit has become Alex by shaking his hand. We also learn that while simulants, which is what the beta unit is, can do a really good job of replacing their person, they're not allowed to be uh, <laughs> fighters. So, you know, yep. it, we can't just switch places and you can't be the, 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 the yeah. star fighter. I, I'm not allowed. Period. I'm not allowed. It's, okay. It's, it's just, we're just not allowed to. Oh, okay. we're not allowed so you to do could, that. but you're just not allowed to. Got <laughs> not it. allowed to. Good. Yeah. Um, somewhere along this, this, at this point in the movie, we get a cutscene back to Rylos and we see the, the alien who uh, growled at Alex when he was getting his uniform. We see that yes. alien putting this bomb 
somewhere on one of the control stations deactivating the guns. And so the meteors that are coming from Zerg hit the Rylos base and, oh, destruction. Yeah, the base is completely destroyed, except... It's not really. Except almost all of it's still there, except the hangar where all the gun stars were. Beta has a nice line. When Alex is saying that he doesn't want to fight, Beta says, oh, save the whales, but not the universe, eh? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) And that goes back to Alex actually has these save the whale posters that you see earlier in the movie. Okay. But you don't see them, like they're they're there while, actually while Beta's like moaning away. Yeah. uh, Growing a face, but (laughs) you don't see it. You don't see him when he says that, but it's, I like that, that Beto is taking in his surroundings and trying to understand (laughs) the world. Yeah. Okay. So then this assassin shows up, right? Yeah. The bounty hunter. Yeah. An assassin is what he is. I had a bounty hunter written down, but yeah, assassin shows up. A Zandozan alien? Yeah. The hit beast. The hit beast. Ooh. (laughs) The hit beast. But he looks like a regular dude at first because they can disguise. Yeah. He's just some guy gets dropped off. Yeah. So, okay, here's the funny thing. He walks up next to the arcade game. Yeah. And the arcade game, like, demasks him. Yeah. Okay, so this is really weird. Okay, the arcade game obviously is an arcade game. Yeah. We've also learned that it's a beacon. Yep. To send messages when it gets a high score. Yep. But when the high score was reached, there was no physical, like, the machine didn't do anything weird. Nope. Even when it was generating a signal to send across the universe or whatever. Yeah. But it has this weird other feature that if an alien bounty hunter happens to walk by it, it will demask, it will reveal their true form. Yes. But apparently not actually tell anybody like Alex or Beta or Centauri. That, hey, there is a hit beast here. It'll do this feature. Oh, yeah. But it'll just do it silently. This is, these are the kind of things that bother us that, are, that, that our wives say, why are you letting this bother you? Just let it go. <laughs> okay. I get it. I don't know. Yeah. I, guess, I guess the writers think that, eh, we're, we're just here for the popcorn and the fun. <laughs> we're here for the fun. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And the Zandazan clearly has a, a weapon, yep. like a, a gun. But he doesn't use it when, like, Alex <laughs> is right there. Yeah, so he's trying to get Alex, and there's a little bit of a chase. Well, actually, Alex shows up to the video game machine, and yeah. and the Zandozan bounty hunter is hiding above. Instead of just taking the shot, he busts through this piece of wood and reaches down to try to grab him and, what, presumably hoist him up onto the roof and hit him in the face or maybe then shoot him? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. He misses his opportunity to kill him, but really, we know why he did that. It's so that we can get another jump scare, gross-out alien kind of shot in the movie. Yeah, it it is. It totally is. But that's okay because Centauri shows up right away and pulls out his gun and shoots off Zandozan's arm. Yes. Yeah. I think he manages to shoot both. Uh, I think he manages to shoot both of his arms off. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then, but it's like, uh, Centauri is totally familiar with these beasts, but doesn't know that even if their arms are shot off, that doesn't kill them and they can still 
shoot. Okay, so was was he shooting with his good arm, or do their arms just kind of function on their own even after they've been shot off the body? Yeah, as far as I could tell, it was a decapit decapitated <laughs> An arm, amputated a arm. <laughs> A severed arm. <laughs> I decapitated the head of my, the arm. Yeah, my 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 head, my arm. Okay, uh, yeah. So it's a severed arm, but somehow it still has control. Yes. Uh, yeah. But that's okay. Somehow Centauri lights the alien on fire, and you know, burning aliens. Yeah. Let's 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 take you away here, Alex. But the alien manages to get. A good shot in on Centauri. Yes, that's, that's right. Important. He does. That yep. is important. Yep. So yep. I think we're heading into the third act at this point. Oh, finally. Yeah. Um, Alex returns to Rylos to be a starfighter. The starfighter yep. command is in ruins after being hit by the meteorites. There's no yes. starfighters left. There's no gun stars left. And Centauri dies. Centauri. Who are you? Centauri's the name. Centauri dies. Yes. And but Greg happened to be there. Yeah, good old Greg. It was good. And it's because he, conveniently he was working on the prototype gun starship in the other part of the base. Yes. And Greg <laughs> says, until the next dimension, my friend. Yeah, until the next dimension. So I I like the scene. So Alex finally puts on his starfighter uniform. His, his big comfy pajamas. Let's talk about how beige they are. <laughs> They're are very they incredibly, beige. They're more they incredi beige than like Hoth uniforms. Yes. Yes. They are like Hoth uniforms, but even more... Beige and puffy. Even more beige. Well, they're strange. They're like tight-fitting, puffy, beige. Yeah. <laughs> Jumbo-sized corduroy <laughs> yes, spacesuit. Right? It's a corduroy spacesuit, but we only have like five pieces of corduroy going around the whole thing <laughs> corduroy <laughs> at least their their legs don't go zip 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 when they're walking along yeah so this is where uh alex learns that he is the last starfighter that's right yeah um because all the rest apparently died along with their gun stars Yep. in the attack. So there is a nice moment where Alex is learning this and they launch yep. and there's all the noise and the violence of the launch and his mask comes down and Alex is just silently yelling about something, but you can't yep. hear him because they're, yeah, I, I like that moment. Yeah. The way it builds up. Uh, death is a foreign or a, a, like an old fashioned construct. I prefer to think of them fighting evil in another dimension. And then, so how many other starfighters are left, including you? One. <laughs> yeah. And then, so yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi gets Luke to engage in some uh, target practice. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Grig. Grig gets yeah, Grig. Alex to engage in some target practice <laughs> so that uh, he can, he can, you know, shake the bugs out of the gunship here. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's right. This is when it gets into full on Star Wars kind of references. It's, yeah. It's interesting how it's, it's a somewhat unique setting and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah There's it is a lot. very unique. And yet and the, it still feels like it's got the same notes. Like There the same. are some things that are very similar, even though generally the plot isn't the same thing. And yeah. 
Yeah. Um, in like, as we're going through this act, we're flipping back and forth a lot between earth and, and space. But the next thing I think that happens in space after the, after the target practice is the millennium Falcon tape chases a tie fighter into a cave <laughs> on an asteroid. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. It's, it's, yeah, it is so similar, including like them trying to shut down the systems and be quiet yep. while it goes overhead. Uh, a little bit about what's happening with Beta back on, on Earth while we're doing this. Yeah, I think this is where we, we have a Beta unit wearing the wig in the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah, that's actually later. Is this a little bit later? Yeah. This is the, um, this is the let's take off my head scene. <laughs> yes, there's... That's right. There is the takeoff. So this is where, is this where you want to talk about data? Well, this is Star one Trek. of the bits that reminded me very much of oh, data. Yeah. yeah. Taking off ever. the head and doing that kind of thing. And like, even like his, his pale skin and stuff like that, the beta unit, mm. you know, just kind of reminds me of data and working on himself with the sonic screwdriver or whatever he's got there. Yes. Yeah. It's an, it's a neat, it's a neat little thing. Like I see how, uh, I understand how, the producers are saying, oh, the audiences are really enjoying the beta unit. Let's throw some more stuff in here and get a yeah. few laughs in. It is fun. Yeah, it's good. And we should point out that, of course, this is well before data was invented. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. this was 84. Yep. And Star Trek doesn't get started till what, 87? Oh, I don't know. We shouldn't say that. Next generation. It's a little funny. Alex is helping Otis, yeah. the trailer park, put an antenna up on a trailer. Yeah. And Maggie just taps him on the back while he's doing this job, basically sneaks up on him and taps his shoulder and freaks him out and he drops the antenna. But that is enough for them to think, Alex, you're acting pretty weird. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? To me, if anybody, like when you're doing an intent, you're working on a job, you yeah. shouldn't just walk up behind somebody and tap oh, them. Come on, he's got to pay attention. Yeah. That's right. Anyway. Yeah. And then you're, you're right. You know, it's not long after that. There's the, the yeah, truck. Yeah. The truck scene with the, with the laughing in the back of the truck. And that yeah. again, reminds me of data a lot. Oh, you know, when data's totally. trying to put on his human emotions and stuff like that, the way he's laughing yes. in the back of the truck. Yep. Another data yeah. moment there. Yeah. And he's especially got the pale skin and the really weird hair yep. there in the back of the truck. So that just totally makes it seem like data with, with him doing the, the crazy laughing. I refer to beta as beta wig in my notes these <laughs> at this point. Um, I guess they decided that because they were going to do some, a bunch more beta stuff on earth that they shouldn't have killed off the bounty hunter. So another yes. bounty hunter shows up at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this one, uh, goes after a police officer instead, right? That's right. Yeah. And kind of transmutes himself into the form of a police officer. Yeah. So it's weird that these creatures are these big hulking clumsy things, but then they can take over. Like, do they change into the form of whoever they touch or do they possess? Yeah. Or do they? Yeah. It's very unclear. And what's even the advantage of him doing that? Sneak up on him perhaps, but he doesn't, he doesn't use that skill. No, he just stands there and like a police officer. To... I think we're just doing some neat sci-fi special effects. I think that's <laughs> I think what the kids want to see these days. That is, that is what the kids like. So let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Beta decides that uh, he's got some skin in the game though. 
and uh, he's going to do the honorable thing, and he sacrifices himself for yes. for Alex around this time in the movie. So they're driving down. They've stolen one of the guy's trucks, and yeah. Maggie and and Beta Unit are are. I guess this is after the camp out at the <laughs> lake. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that has some funny and awkward moments. Yep, PG moments. Anyway, they're driving down, and yeah, the bounty hunter has determined that the beta unit is actually a beta unit, so that the last starfighter is alive, and, and perhaps he's <laughs> going to be coming to attack the Kodan, so he's sending out a message from his... From his spaceship. Yeah. At about... At about one baud, <laughs> yeah, right? Like so slow. it's the we've got the one bit per second <laughs> uplink. The, the last, last starfighter, starfighter is, is and then Beta crashes the truck into the spaceship <laughs> and it's unable to send the message. The but, final words. But that's okay. Zerg knows his name isn't Zerg. What's his name? Zer? <laughs> Zur? Whatever. Right? Whoever yeah, it is. Zer. The, Zer. the bad space yeah. kid. He knows yeah, what the what the, how the message finishes. The last starfighter is dead, of course. <laughs> he must be dead. That's the only word that could have been there. <laughs> so let's just get this show on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like how they're uh it's like the message doesn't just send like an email or a text message. It's like, oh, Captain, a message is coming in. What should we do? Oh, receive the message. Oh, okay. Receiving message now. The Receive. Last. Receive. Receive. I'm kind of new at these gland games. Oh, yes, that's right. Thank you, Beta Wig. More Beta Wig and Maggie antics. Beta Wig. But it turns out that the last Starfighter is not dead, and yep. Alex and Grig show up on the scene and they prepare to engage the Kodan base and the Armada. Yeah, and, and so there's this sequence of them stuck down. This is when Alex still wants to quit, even at this point. He's down there in the right. asteroid and Greg says, well, here's my, my His wife uh, and 1 million children. Yeah. My, my wife, Oid and my, <laughs> my wife, Oid and my 6,000 little Griglings. <laughs> That's terrible. That's pretty funny that he would have 6,000 little Griglings, but each of them would presumably grow up to be a big Grig like him. Yeah. How, how do, I don't understand that because like for every, well, maybe they have super long lives or something and. Hope so. Yeah. Because that'd be like totally overpopulated. Yep. Place in no time. Anyway. It sure would matter. be. Oh yeah. Okay. And, and Alex shows him, shows Greg his folks, he says. Yeah. And isn't that weird? Did you know something about that photo? Mikey's in the photo. Maggie's in the photo. Lewis is in the photo. His mom is in the photo. No dad. There is a dad. There's a guy oh, in there. Yeah. And, and yeah, so his dad's there, but his dad not only doesn't appear, but is never actually mentioned. No. In the whole movie. Yeah. But Lewis looks the same age. Like, you know, mm. and Ma Ma Maggie looks the same age. Yeah. 
So something just happened to his dad. Is his dad just away for work? So it, that's funny that they didn't explore. I wonder if it just got cut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently Will Wheaton had some, uh, something to do with this movie. Maybe Will Wheaton was the dad and they just cut him out. <laughs> oh no, no. This was the age. This was, this, this was, was before, before Wesley. Before Wesley. <laughs> no, you can, you can see Will. Oh yeah. He doesn't, all his speaking parts got cut out, but he is, whenever you see a group of kids running around at the trailer park. Oh yeah. The first one is tall and is wearing a red, like football jersey. And wearing a gray sweater with rainbow stripes on it. And it's Wesley. Uh, no, no, there's okay. no, he's just wearing a red jersey. Uh, and he's running around and he's apparently Lewis's friend, even though Lewis doesn't ever seem to talk to his friends ever okay. in the cut we see, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, poor Wes, he was in it, but got cut. So after the Grigglings, Wifo and <laughs> Maggie and my folks photograph in the asteroid. Yeah. Is that what convinces Alex to fight the Kodan? Yeah. He gets this idea about, while well, he used to play hide and seek with his little brother and, yeah. oh, Maybe we could play hide and seek and sneak up on them. And somehow he, he gets one over. Okay. He is going to do this. Yeah. There is a last starfighter. We are going to do this, but then he they, doesn't remain hidden for very long. No, their, their plan is it's like, okay, this sounds like a pretty good plan, but then it's like they accidentally fly out of the asteroid <laughs> and have to get in a fight. Yeah. And then they hide again, I think. And then. Instead of sneaking up, okay, and then the plan is to shoot this command tower. Yeah. Because, of course, that controls all the ships. Of course. So it sounds like a good idea, but then they let they let the whole armada totally pass them by. The, the target was totally in sight. Yeah. They let the whole armada fly by them, and then they sneak up from behind, even though they're, the enemy radar detects them right away. It's like... They totally did not execute the plan. So the last starfighter is dead. Yeah. This has gone far enough. Oh yeah. Clink. Here comes the mechanical monocle. Seize him. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, right. So they take away the, the bag. Zur gets taken away. Even though he has the scepter with the knife in it. Yeah, and they, they pull the scepter away from him, but still carry it with them <laughs> Yeah, down the hall so well, he can grab it later. He might need anyway. it, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, he might need and it. And it doesn't seem to to be to, to take very long before he, he does need it, and he does use it, and, and we get another googly-eyed monster scaring us. Yes, yeah, he attacks one of the guards and I guess knocks his visor off, which I guess was holding... The pressure for his eyes into his is head that what was going on? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, that's my guess. Googly eyes. Oh, they scare yeah, us. Pretty gross. He's yeah. not. He's not a robot. He's a. He's a creature. Yes. And then is it time for the death blossom? Oh, it is interesting. We didn't talk about Maggie riding in the truck with Alex and he or with Beta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Beta says, "Okay, jump out of the truck. We're going to ram it, but we have to jump out of the truck." Oh well, yeah, she yeah. Jumps out, and yeah, you already, you did mention that he sacrifices himself. Yeah. But Maggie was still in this kind of mixed up, like, "Is this my boyfriend or isn't this my boyfriend?" Right. And then he basically he dies right in front of her. But she seems to understand immediately at that point that this was not my boyfriend, that my boyfriend is in space or something. 
Yeah, it's an interesting act of faith because she isn't sure about it, but for a moment she does turn away and just kind of shouts to space, I love you, Alex Rogan. Yeah. And it's an interesting kind of act of faith or something because she isn't sure, I think, still. Okay. Of what's going on. Like she's so upset after and yeah. there's still there's yeah. still signs that she doesn't know for sure if her boyfriend is dead or not. Right. Yeah. So it, it was a neat moment. And then finally Alex decides to shoot out that turret, like the and and Greg. They blow up the turret and then that discoordinates the armada. Yeah. And then he goes to work shooting them all because he really is a good starfighter. It's just like the video game back home. He is a record breaker. Yeah, he is a record breaker. We were talking about Grig. He's like the navigator. Is he the pilot or not? Most of the time it seems like he's piloting because he forces Alex to have to shoot this guy. Like he yeah. chases that spaceship. That's that right. seems to all be Grig. There's another moment though where some missiles are coming in and Grig says, Alex, watch out. And then it's like, Alex has to do the dodging mm-hmm. of these missiles. Whatever so, happens to be convenient for the writers. What's the truth? That's right. So he disables all the ships and then yes, go ahead with Death Blossom. Oh yeah. Well, it's just, it's just time for the Death Blossom. And it's basically just spin like nuts and shoot your lasers everywhere. I, I assume that there's more to it than just spinning as fast as you can with your laser shooting which is what I sometimes used to do when I was playing asteroids as a kid <laughs> yes. and, and hoping for the best. Yeah. I would, even though it's not clear, I would like to think that Alex still has some skill involved yes. in this rather than it just being, you push a button and the, the starship just launches everything it has as fast as it can. Yeah. And, and you would hope that if it was doing something like that, at least it would be engaging some sort of good targeting computer or something like that. So it's not yeah. just shooting willy nilly in space and it doesn't seem like it is like it's landing a lot of shots. Oh yeah. When it's spinning so, around. Yeah. I think we'd like to think, or I, I was, I was thinking about this. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to choose that Alex is actually the one pulling the trigger, uh, as yep. each thing comes into sight. And this is kind of like his force he has the gift. Yes. And it's this force-like I think we got to use Death Blossom. Remember, Death Blossom delivers only one massive volley at close range. Fire! Bam, bam, bam. Everyone's dead because of the Death Blossom. Yep. Except for the, the control ship the or command the ship, the command ship. Yeah. Yeah. It's weapons are out, but it's still there. That's right. So let's engage ramming speed. Ramming speed. That's right. And meanwhile, Grig is doing the, oh, we only have life support left. That's right. So but we can bypass look. life support. Who needs to live? We can, we can, we can send life support to the weapons. Yep. So he's got the circuit board as his classic. You got to pull part oh, of the yeah. ship apart to jumper the wire. This huge, this amount of power that can power thrusters and weapons oh, yeah. from life support goes through this little circuit board that you can plug this little wire <laughs> in, right? Yep. Yeah, it actually has a, 
it actually has a nine volt battery cap I, slapping I on it. I read somewhere I saw something about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I didn't I actually it. see it in the film. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just in time, they get the ship flying again. Yep. And uh, and what the happens? Command, oh, we're locked in the moon's gravitational pull. <laughs> and then the other guy turns to him and says, "That's no moon." No, actually, he doesn't say that. <laughs> but that's why I was thinking. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There's just a there's a random moon there that's suddenly. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. What are we going to do? We're going to flip our mechanical monocle in front of our <laughs> eye in a dramatic fashion and state. We're going to die. Yeah. She won't answer the helm. We're locked into the moon's gravitational pull. What do we do? We die. So this is pretty bad special effects where the scale of the moon and the scale of the sh the ship, yep. you have no idea what's going on, but the ship hits the moon much sooner than you would expect, yes. than I would expect, yeah. and suddenly blows up with, and this is what they couldn't do with computers then, it was like a practical explosion, and <laughs> the, what happens, It it's the starship flies away and what what gets shouted? yahoo nice shot kid now let's get out of here says <laughs> yes. han solo yes so the yahoo feels so a new hope yeah and even though it's the command ship crashing into a moon the explosion goes on so big and so long yep. it might as well be the death star exploding yep that's no moon <laughs> and then we park the car back at the base <laughs> I mean, it's not the star car at this point. It's the gun star. Get yeah, back so... to the base and we find out, hey, Centauri isn't dead. Centauri. Centauri is the name. Cent and neither Centauri. <laughs> you know, we're going to need you to help rebuild the frontier and you'll have a, a, a old friend to help you along. Somebody you've known for at least. 36 hours. Yes, the old friend who keeps his face in a handkerchief. <laughs> in his eyes, in his back pocket. <laughs> oh, that's okay. He was merely dormant while his body repaired itself. That's right. Everybody knows so this. So I guess this is the next dimension that Grig was, was talking about Yeah, we'll earlier. see you in the we'll next dimension. We'll see you in the dimension. next dimension. So there's a yeah. big cheer, medal ceremonies for everybody. Grig doesn't yeah. get a medal, though, because he's too furry. <laughs> they don't give medals to Wookiees. Yeah, Wookiees don't get them, but Greg, Greg got and them. And let's go back to Earth to... To collect so Maggie. the big spaceship, the Gunstar comes and lands at the Starbright. Starlight, Starbright, uh, trailer park, and everybody yep. comes out, and Granny comes out and shoots. Shotgun. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, yep, Granny. Granny's going to shoot everybody who's coming out of the spaceship. That's okay. She doesn't. <laughs> Granny, put that away. What's wrong with you? And everybody can understand the aliens who are maybe talking, speaking in English or yeah, not, but it doesn't matter. It's the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. We can do that. And oh yeah, you know, way back when Alex got that translator, like, you know, way yeah. too late. Yeah. She clipped it of all places onto his plaid shirt. Yes. His overshirt, yep. so to speak, because he had a t-shirt underneath, right? Yeah. Just like, here's your uniform. Now we'll give you a translator on your street clothes, yep. which will not, which is clamped on there and will not transfer to your actual space uniform. Well, presumably the flannel shirts on underneath the Hoth battle gear. His, 
Do you think he kept on? Kept that on? Yeah. Doesn't I matter. I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, it doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. That's not what because this is about. Because we're here to get Maggie. Yeah. There's only room for me and Grig and Maggie. <laughs> yeah. Where would a third person go in, in that ship anyway? I don't know. Yeah. Is there a cargo hold? <laughs> she, in sick bay. <laughs> in sick bay. They're, they're in That's sick right. bay. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, a hidden, sick bay. there's a hidden compartment under the floor yeah. for smuggling things. <laughs> yes. So this is like a whole fulfillment of Alex. Here, he has made something of himself. That's right. And he is going to come and get Maggie. The goofy thing is that we have traveled back and forth from, from Rylos. Rylos to Earth several times in the movie by now. Yep. It seems to be an extremely short trip. Like, oh yeah. At the most hours, but maybe not even Maybe hours. not even, yeah. Yeah. So Alex is putting all this pressure on Maggie that you got to come right now and we really got to go Else right now. Else you'll never see me again. I don't know when I'll be back. I don't know when I can spare a couple hours Seven to come minutes. pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's too bad that they didn't, uh, Greg helps sell the idea that, yeah, we do have to go because the radar, you know, I can't hold off the radar or something as if like they're being tracked. Yeah. By, I can kind of get that. They can only land for a little while, but you know, that yeah. she's got to run off. She doesn't even have time to pack a bag or something. You're going off to space for, I don't know how long. That's okay. She'll get her own Hoth battle gear. That's right. Yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> so she'll be a commander in the next movie in the sequel. Okay. So especially in in this last section of the movie i've been making a lot of fun of of things and and we've been finding lots of plot holes and stuff but you know what this is a fun yeah. movie it's oh, a good it's movie a totally a fun i movie. really enjoyed it yeah i i really like this movie and it is fun i i think i watched it probably 3 times in the last week yeah and yeah i enjoyed it it's, it's too bad that my mind can't help but think. I, I wish I wish I could just switch off my mind and enjoy. But no, no, you, you don't really wish that. Like, I think that that we're somewhat similar in this. And I was talking to my wife about this kind of thing the other night. It's like, no, we, we I like this. I don't mind picking things apart. It's part of the fun for me. It's, it's good. It's good fun. It's part of what we enjoy, yeah. So let's talk about the computer graphics. And, and yeah. maybe it'll kind of come into the video game aspect of things as well. Um, yeah. we can talk about those two things together. Cray supercomputer brought in. Okay. The documentaries that, that I watched, I watched a, a couple behind the scenes making of, they really stressed how groundbreaking, um, the computer effects were for for this movie and and it's true they're fantastic they're great this was really the first movie that used these photorealistic computer graphics to really carry the action sequences of of a movie like this and it really was groundbreaking and don't want to take away from any of the importance on that it looked yeah. good it yeah it, it really did look nice yeah, and still a lot of those shots still look really nice to me. Oh yeah, like when yeah. you just have the car by itself or the spaceship by itself, looks really yeah. good. Some of the the engine effects are a little bit, they're fine. Yeah. Um, the asteroid planet stuff is yeah, it's a little bit smooth and shiny, but yeah, overall 
really good. Like I think I think like the car flying around and the wheels kind of getting tucked yeah, under and stuff transforming like that. Transforming looks really good. Yeah. 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 And the funny thing is that they were kind of coding this on the fly, some of it. Like yeah. they would they would have their rough math system to do all this rendering, mm-hmm. but then they wouldn't know how to do like a laser or how to do a yeah, this or a right. that. And then they'd have to get together and say, how are we going to, how do you do that? Like how, how are we going to make this work? They would add that feature and then somebody had to go through and calculate, like do the math for every frame. Of course they could use computers to help with the math, but plotting the path of all these different objects, but good moments of animation where there is like, it wasn't just like. Like there's camera mute. There's a lot of camera camera movement with the ships that are flying around. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And nice, uh, curves and stuff. Very Mm -hmm. kind of fluid. Fluid. Yeah. Splines. Spline. That's a good word. Now apparently the movie was going to look even better. They had plans that it was going to look even better than it looked, but when they did the math and they figured out how much time it was going to take. It was going to take them like 17 months to do this. And they only had like six months or something. Yes. So they had to drop the number of polygons by a, a whole whack load uh, yes. to get it in. So imagine, you know, how great it would look if they were able to spend the time on it. Yeah. It would have been fantastic. Yeah. It, it started to remind me of deep thought. Like if a computer's going to take 17 months to render all this. And by the time it start deep thought from hitchhikers, guys yes. of the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, oh, we've already got a way faster computer by the time the, the renderings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, it's cool. Of course, they're doing smaller chunks than that. It yeah. wouldn't really be that way. But yeah, so pretty cool. How about the video game itself, the Starfighter video game that Alex is playing? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that, yes, the game is just called Starfighter. Because, mm-hmm. of course, it's not the last Starfighter. No. Um at the end of the credit, it says like video game by Atari, but they never did release a last Starfighter video game. Right. Cer- certainly not an arcade game like shown. No, no. But yeah. So did you know that some guys actually, I think it was 2006 or so, made a last Starfighter arcade game? Yeah. Yeah. And so it looks very much like what we see in the movie. Yeah. These cool, like these polygon graphics, that cool heads up display. Yep. The actual game would have been incredible in 1984. Oh, it would have been for sure. Like I was, I was thinking about like what we were playing then. And I was thinking of like Stun Runner might've been something somewhat comparable yeah, or wasn't that more like 86 well yeah I, I think it yeah. came out even after and, and hard driving like i'm just thinking of like these solid polygon games that we might have been playing around that time you remember hard driving and you're kind of driving around there's a loop the loop there's a farm jumps and yes. stuff like that like stun runner isn't till 89 oh really so a full five years later yeah uh, hard driving also 89 yeah so even for arcade games to pull off that kind of solid polygon look mm-hmm. took another five years. Yeah. Our, our Amigas, for example, just never could no. do something like that. A couple other thoughts I had about the game. The actual physical arcade machine was very deep. 
in the movie. Like that's that's a big looking machine. Yeah. Um, if that was if that was a real machine, that probably would have weighed a lot. It also had a really strange control system. Like I understand that he was trying to mimic that of the actual Gunstar, the real Gunstar yeah. spaceship. But uh, yeah, it just seemed like you've got one lever thing that's going back and forth with button on the side and then it wasn't even a joystick in your other hand there's something else going on in the other hand right yeah i guess they didn't really focus on the controls yeah the controls so well. seemed very linear and and not like what i would expect that you would need to pilot or um gun a spaceship but what do i know i don't know these things <laughs> right but yeah, it was nice how Alex acknowledged, hey, this is just like back home. All of a sudden he realizes yeah. that, yeah. So that's cool that Centauri would have would have done that. Yeah, you know, he would have built yeah. it right. Yeah, it's a good yeah. simulation. Did you notice that um, on the heads up display in the video game um, for the numbers, like for the score and stuff like that, it's a faked segmented display for the yeah. numbers? Yeah, yeah. It looks really nice. Like it's, it's a really nice touch, but hmm, why are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So that arcade game. Now, did you know, so if we talk about other video games, yeah, there was a official last Starfighter game, but do you know anything I about thought it? I read something about, oh, what's the Atari 2600 game? And you got the special controllers with it, Star yeah, well, Raiders. Yeah, so I, I had just done the 8-bit show-and-tell episode yeah. about Star Raiders, Star Raiders. Well, about the controller. I thought I read something like Star Raiders 2 was yes. supposed to be the last Starfighter video game, or yeah. maybe they took what was going to be Star Raiders 2 and made that into the last yeah, Starfighter video game. It's a, it's a really complicated story. I'll try to say it quick. You got Star Raiders. Somebody started working on Star Raiders 2. Mm-hmm. But that got canceled when Atari was having all its financial trouble around 84. Yeah. Meanwhile, they were making a Last Starfighter game. Yeah. And then they decided not to ship that and turn that into Star Raiders 2. Oh, okay. So there's like two Star, Star Raiders, Raiders 2. 2s and one of them was a Last Starfighter. Ah. Yeah. And that last Starfighter did leak out, but it never was sold. It, okay. it, it leaked out and got turned into Star Raiders 2, which is a very similar looking game, but has a number of changes to make yep. it less last Starfighter mm -hmm. and more Star Raiders. But those are not the official last Starfighter game. None of that. Okay. The official last Starfighter game has a bizarre Commodore 64 connection. Okay. It's an NES game. And if we were in person, well, yeah. Yeah, we never mentioned that we're remote today. Yeah, we are. Um, that, that NES game is a port of a favorite that we have talked about on Grown Up 80s, Uridium. Oh, wow. Yes. I did read that somewhere too. Yeah. Yes. So the last Starfighter is Uridium. They, somebody ported Uridium over to the NES yeah, and called it Last Starfighter. But it's not really based on, like, they weren't trying to sell it as based on the movie, were they? Yeah. Like, it wasn't a tie-in, was it? It was just... Well, it was much later. It was, like, as late as 1990. Yeah. Maybe they just used the same name. No, no. It, it has, like, Alex Rogan on really? the cover. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. It is, it is officially... 
licensed. It has very little to do with the movie and it was not very well received. Well, that's too it's bad. It's too bad that Iridium got kind of tarnished yeah. by that, but it is pretty, like the levels are the same and the ship was redrawn to okay. look a little like a Gunstar. Yeah. Not like very good, like no. a Gunstar, but it, it's kind of handles like it, but the level's the same. Yeah. Like, I... You're flying over those Iridium ships yeah. and it's the same. So go. really weird. That was by Mindscape, who had a weird habit in the later 80s mm -hmm. of taking existing Commodore and other 8-bit games and porting them to the NES yeah. with a new licensed title. Right. Like the official Mad Max for the NES yeah. is a reskinned Road Raiders game from the Commodore. Oh, yeah. Ported to the NES and called Mad Max. Why not? with almost no actual Mad Max yes. feel to it. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about why I think that The Last Starfighter is a monster movie. Besides sure. all, the, all the monster stuff that we were talking about already. The writer, John Betuel. Yeah. He was also the writer and executive producer of Freddy's Nightmares. Remember <laughs> that show? Yeah. Yeah. Um, director Nick Castle, he was in four Halloween movies. Lance yes. Guest, who played Alex, was also in Halloween 2. Yes. And these are all prior to The Last Starfighter. So these are the kind of films that are leading into The Last Starfighter. Yeah. So Grig, bunch... Grig yep. was in Halloween 2. He was also in the Robocop movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I art, read that. Art director Jim Bissell, he was, he did... Arachnophobia, another horror movie. And he also worked on E.T., which was pretty cool. Yeah. And other horror movies associated with the cast and crew. Velvet Buzzsaw, Pet Cemetery, Michael Jackson's Thriller, V, Bride of Reanimator, The Blob, Enemy Mine, speaking of scary alien movies, yeah. Psycho 2, The Thing, Piranha, Alien Nation, Fright Night, Galaxy of Terror, the Sound of Murder, and Eight is Enough. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny that when you got all that kind of talent that is used to making one thing. Yeah. And then they say, hey, let's make a kid's movie. Hey, let's make a space opera movie. Y you do special effects, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's kind of like... Oh, I want to say this right. Okay, th there's uh, an animator, Ralph Back Backy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did the Who Lord of the Rings, or um, the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. Ralph Bakshi, I think. Yes. Or ba Bakshi, yeah. Uh, made a animated movie called Fritz the Cat, which yes. is very adult oriented. Yep. Okay, but then he made a film called Wizards, mm -hmm. and I saw an interview with him saying oh yeah i want to make a kids movie yeah <laughs> but you watch that and it has so many of those adult <laughs> aspects in it even though to him it's like yeah it's a kids sure. movie it's a kids movie look it's fun yeah. cartoons yeah. yeah so it's kind of the same thing where if you're used to doing horror <laughs> and gore and gross out stuff 
Yes. Okay, we need you to do the the makeup effects for the aliens and the special effects for the beta unit and stuff. Well, you, you do what you're used to doing. You do it. Yeah. You do what you know. Yeah. And that's how it kind of turns out. Yeah. Oh, and, and one thing, I shout to my friends, the faithful sidekicks. You, you know our Bedford level experiment. Yeah. You're, you're my live drummer for my yeah, nerd sure. band. Yeah. You, you know that. I know and that. Some of, some of our listeners might know that I, I've done some of this kind of geek rock kind of thing, songs yeah. about nerdy topics. Anyway, I have some friends, the faithful sidekicks, and they did a last Starfighter song called Ballad of the Beta Unit. Ooh. So I suggest you check that out. If you just Google faithful sidekicks, Ballad of the Beta Unit, and check out that song about Beta's story. My name's not Alex Rogan. I'm not that guy that you know. I'm the stand-in replacement so someone else can go. I'm just a Beta unit. Centauri sent me here. Distracting assassins while he advanced his career. Well, thank you for joining us on Growing Up 80s. We invite you to share your memories of The Last Starfighter with us on Twitter. You can tweet me at Darren Folds. And you can tweet me at 8-Bit Show and Tell. Or you can just tweet both of us at GUP80s. And check out our Patreon page where even a minimum dollar donation lets you hear our exclusive monthly podcast. Extra generous patrons like Chris and Justin get a shout out on our episodes. And the most generous patrons like Justin get to suggest the topic for our monthly exclusive podcast. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and check out our YouTube channel for occasional video content. Yeah, I might even have a Last Starfighter related video coming up in the next while. So for Robin Harbin, I'm Darren Folds. Good night. Good night. Epic.